Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jimmy Tingle Show. I am Jimmy, and I want to introduce you to a new segment of our show, the Meet the Candidate series. It is intended to give candidates running for public office a platform and a voice. So voters know who is running for office, why they're running, and what they hope to accomplish if they are so fortunate to be elected. So please feel free to share these interviews with your family and friends and citizens around this fine land, because an educated and informed population is essential for a healthy democracy. And isn't that what we all really want? A healthy democracy? Enjoy the interviews. Stay healthy. My name is Jimmy Tingle, and I approve this message. Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy. Welcome to our show. This is a new dimension to the show called Meet the Candidate. And today's candidate is Eric Lesser. He is running for lieutenant governor of Massachusetts. He is a state senator representing Western Massachusetts, including Longmeadow, Springfield, Chicopee, and several other towns in Western Mass. He has been a state senator for eight years, everybody. Please welcome to the show the one and only Mr. Eric Lesser. Hello, Eric. How hey, are you? Hey, Jimmy. Thanks so much for having me. Quite the intro. I love that. <laughs> we want to elevate everybody's profile, and we just want to introduce our audience to the people who are running to represent uh, the interests and the people of, of Massachusetts. So our goal is to give all the candidates a platform to explain who they are, why they're running why the particular position they're running for and what they hope to accomplish in that if they are so fortunate to be elected. So, Eric, tell us, tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks so much, Jimmy. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. I, I really appreciate all you do. Uh, you do so much for our party, for our state. Uh, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with you and, of course, with all your fans and, and followers. So, yeah, just to introduce myself, I'm Eric Lesser. I'm a state senator, as you mentioned. From the Pioneer Valley, I represent two cities, Springfield and Chicopee, as well as seven towns up and down the Connecticut River and the Chicopee and Ludlow Rivers. Um, it's a really diverse area, Jimmy. Uh, I represent some of the densest urban communities in the state. I also have a town without a stoplight. Uh, I have a Fortune 50 financial services company, Mass Mutual, located in my district. I also have one of the largest Air Force Reserve bases and dozens of uh, small family-owned factories and machine shops lining uh, lining the Chicopee and Ludlow Rivers and a lot of agricultural communities as well. Uh, I'm really running uh, because I think it's important to have a state leadership team that reflects our entire state uh, and that gives voice to often forgotten corners of our state. Uh, it's not only Western Mass that increasingly feels uh, left out, of course. Many of our neighborhoods in Boston uh, have been left out of the boom times we've seen in certain parts of Massachusetts. The Merrimack Valley, Central Mass, the South Coast, parts of the Cape uh, are also feeling this. And I think I have a role to play uh, as Lieutenant Governor coming from the West, uh, utilizing my experience from working in the State Senate uh, to really be an important partner to our next governor, help make sure that her agenda is a success uh, and that we're reaching all communities in the state. Well, Eric, let me ask you, you actually represent a town that has no stoplight. Is that what you said? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. Here's my question. If elected, will you get them a stoplight? <laughs> you know what? If they want the stoplight, we'll get them the stoplight. But, you know, sometimes the, the, the communities, uh, you know, prefer no stoplight. They don't want the traffic. You know, if there's a stoplight, right. there's traffic. So. <laughs> right. Okay. So no intersections. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's our winning platform. No intersections, no stopping. Right. So you've been a state senator 
um, for eight years. And before that, what was your political experience before that? And so I, before I was in the state Senate, I worked for four years for President Obama. I started actually, my big break for him uh, was carrying his suitcases all around New Hampshire uh, during the first in the nation primary back in uh, 2007 and 2008. The joke, Jimmy, was that I never once lost a bag. So uh, then Senator <laughs> Obama used to joke that uh, nobody can say Lester doesn't deliver. <laughs> uh, but I, I traveled with him to 47 states and six countries during that campaign uh, and then worked uh, as the assistant to David Axelrod in the, in the West Wing of the White House for the first two years of his administration. Uh, and then after that, worked at the President's Council of Economic Advisors, which is the kind of built-in think tank, economic think tank for the president on, on economic issues. Uh, before coming home with my family, uh, back to my hometown where I grew up in Western Mass. I imagine you probably did, but you must have occasionally pinched yourself when you're like walking around the White House carrying Obama's bags. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was an incredible honor, uh, both to be part of that campaign from the earliest phases. You know, I remember in New Hampshire, you know, he would go into a living room, you know, it was, it was house by house. You go into a living room, talk to 15 people. That was a successful day. And then, of course, it, it snowballed from there. But it was a great honor to work uh, at any White, White House. It's a great honor. I think in particular, it really meant a lot uh, working for him, seeing how he operated, seeing how he handled pressure and stress, seeing how he built a team and motivated a team uh, is are lessons that I, I just feel incredibly grateful for. And right. some big stuff happened, you know, in those first two years. A lot of the of fun course. stuff, right? The Affordable oh, Care yeah. Act, the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. So did you, and then you, after that, you ran for state senator? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was working. What motivated that run? So I was working, you know, in, in D.C. and I was working at the White House. But my start in politics actually didn't begin with President Obama. It began in my hometown in Longmeadow. Uh, when I was about 16, there was a round of budget cuts made actually at the State House, the building I now work in. And I remember uh, the principal at the time of my, my public high school called an assembly packed a whole bunch of us into the auditorium, lined a bunch of teachers up at the front of the room and told us that they weren't coming back next year because of layoffs, because of budget cuts. And I remember sitting there and just feeling really angry, Jimmy, you know, that 14 and 15 and 16 year olds were being asked to pay the price for bad decisions. So we went out and we did something called a prop two and a half override camp. Uh, we went out, knocked on doors, handed out leaflets, do all the things you do in an effort like that. And I remember sitting in the town hall the night of the first vote as the clerk was counting the ballots. And when the clerk announced that the vote had passed, there was a woman sitting next to me uh, who had been clutching a pink slip. She literally ripped the pink slip up and threw it in the garbage because the vote passing her job had been saved. And I just felt grateful for that because it just taught me that politics really, it comes from the grassroots. It comes from the community up. And, um, as incredible as it was to, to work at the White House and, and the incredible history you see working there, I really wanted to get back to my, my home community. I wanted to get back to the community I grew up in, which was facing a lot of challenges. You know, Western Mass has, has faced a lot of challenges in, in, our, in, our, in recent times and wanted to be part of helping solve things on a local level. So the issues facing Western Mass, uh, tell us about how you would be uniquely qualified to represent those issues if you were elected as lieutenant governor? 
Well, well, first off, you know, I'm, I want to be a partner to our next governor, support our next governor's agenda. At the end of the day, that's the job of Lieutenant Governor. And it's very important to me that all of our communities in the state are being, are being helped and lifted. So the agenda is not specific to Western Mass or specific to Boston or, or to the Cape or, or any other region. It's really about how all the different regions of our state work together. Uh, to utilize their their respective assets to help each other. So let me just give one example, very very specific one, connecting our state by rail, uh, Pittsfield, Springfield, Worcester, Boston. This would be a transformational project uh, that is closer than it's ever been to happening. Uh, there's money in the Biden infrastructure bill to get it get it done. The single biggest challenge you've got in the Metro Boston area, Jimmy, is nobody can afford to live there. Housing prices are skyrocketing, rents, uh, I mean, and just the quality of life is really dragging people down. The traffic is bad. The costs are really high. Housing is getting out of reach for people. Childcare costs are high. Western Mass, in many case respects, has the inverse challenge. We've got a high quality of life. There's a lot of open space, but we're not connected to that red hot economy in the Boston area. So rail helps both, right? It gives Eastern Mass access to that good quality of life. It gives Western Mass connection to that red hot uh, job market and red hot economy. And by the way, it takes thousands of cars off the road and helps fight climate change. So it's it's items like that, you know, working to connect our regions, working to give voice to our different regions so that everybody is helped at the same time. Now, you have a casino out there in Western Mass in Springfield. Were you in office when that became a reality? And how is that working? Yeah, so that it was in progress when I was running in 2014. In fact, there was a ballot question in 2014 about uh, about continuing with the project. I supported uh, the the casino project. Uh, it was important uh, from a job point of view. Uh, the local aid has been very important and helpful to the city, uh, as has the uh, revenue that's come since then. But yeah, I think we have to have our eyes wide open, right? We can have the casino. I think on the whole, it's it's done a lot in terms of um, providing really good jobs and providing again a lot a good local aid stream for the for the community and for the surrounding region. But that's not going to be the sustainable solution to our challenges, right? For anyone, and and by the way, the the Encore project hasn't done that, uh, you know, in Everett either. Uh, what we need to be focused on are those are those hard issues, the job training, you know, the fighting addiction. You've been such a leader on that, Jimmy. We have terrible opioid crisis that's getting worse uh, as we've come out of uh, as we've come out of covid the affordability issues we need more housing we've got to get childcare more accessible that's what we've really got to be focused on just one example jimmy uh, one of the things i've committed to do as lieutenant governor is work with our vocational schools our superintendents with desi which is our state education uh, agency to close the wait list at our vocational schools we could create 7,000 jobs tomorrow just by filling the slots or just by creating the slots for the young people that are waiting to get into these programs. And you think about all of the challenges we've got with supply chains, with worker shortages. It's unnecessary because we've got people ready to work. We don't have the vocational and training programs uh, with the, enough capacity to make it happen. Right. And it's so obvious that not college isn't for everybody and we need it. Try to get a plumber, try to get a roofer, try to get an electrician. All right. I mean, we need these things desperately. 
uh, tell me, and I know you were active with the uh, the opioid crisis. I know it's a serious problem everywhere. It's hit Western Mass pretty hard. Tell me your experience with that, and what do you think some of the uh, things you'd like to do as lieutenant governor yeah. if you were elected? So first, uh, you know, I, I got very involved in the in the opioid crisis. I'll tell you, uh, Jimmy, in 2014, when I was a first time candidate, I'd spent you know most of my time knocking on doors, uh, and I I would actually spend large portions of the day going around knocking on doors, as I'm sure you've done in your in your races. Um, and I noticed something when I would knock on the door. I mean, typically people weren't home if it was the middle of the day, which is understandable. There'd be seniors that would come to the door sometimes, retired people. But I increasingly saw young people, um, 20, 22, 23 years old, who would answer the door. And oftentimes people were high uh, or, were, or were clearly struggling. And I saw this again and again and again as I was knocking through my communities and it was very clear the statistics backed up what I what I was seeing. Um, and then at, shortly after I was elected, uh, a group of parents came to see me, uh, whose uh, children had overdosed uh, on on on. It wasn't only opioids, but who had overdosed on on uh, substances. And uh, you've done a lot of these meetings, Jimmy, and a lot of this advocacy. It, there's nothing more horrific than speaking to parents. Who have gone through that. So one of the things that we worked on was a bulk purchasing program for Narcan, uh, which is the overdose reversal drug. Uh, we helped get thousands of doses of Narcan to cities and towns across the state. Uh, we helped get it into the hands of school nurses, police officers, firefighters. There was a Department of Public Health report that came out a couple of weeks ago that said that that, that excuse me, about a year ago, more than a couple of weeks ago, but that said that that program has helped save hundreds of lives uh, because of the number of times it's been administered and the people that got the Narcan access that wouldn't have been otherwise able uh, to have it without that program. But of course, Narcan is the last step, right? We need to avoid the overdose in the first place. And that's where we need to do a lot more around treatment beds. We have a terrible, terrible shortage. We need to do a lot more to support the workforce, the social workers, the human service workers, mental health workers, the case managers, the recovery coaches that are involved in the treatment. We've got desperate shortages. And we need to do a lot more, and I've been passionate about this, to provide alternatives to pain management. For example, I've been a big booster of having insurance companies pay for acupuncture uh, because we know one of the drivers of the opioid crisis was insurance companies, healthcare providers pushing people to these opi these powerful opioid um, prescription pills, and then people got into trouble after they uh, after they took them. After largely it was often workplace injuries. So we've really got to do a lot. Um, but I think as lieutenant governor, you can really play a role, getting the different people around the table, getting the different stakeholders working together, working, of course, at the direction of the governor to help implement uh, these changes. You mentioned housing. Do you think there'll be an effort to increase the availability, the, the supply of houses, because it is a supply and demand issue. Do you see the next governor maybe working towards something like that to reduce the cost of housing statewide? Well, it has to. We have no choice. We have to. Uh, you know, we're very close to turning into California, really, in terms of just skyrocketing costs uh, and, and, of course, homelessness and all of the other issues that come with that. I was in Lynn uh, with uh, with Mayor Nicholson uh, in June. and. Uh, 
he was walking me through some of the challenges they've had, for example, with people that are living in very unsafe conditions, you know, people, families piled up in single rooms because they can't afford uh, any other option. Uh, a growing number of their inspections are failing because of the increasingly unsafe and unstable housing people are being forced into. We've got to do a few things. We've got to change our zoning. We've got to create more transit-oriented development. We've got to create more denser development. We need more units across the board. We also need to do a lot more to expand aid for our renters, including expanding the RAFT program. We need, where appropriate, to do rent stabilization efforts and other uh, tenant protection efforts. And we need to do a lot more around expanding shelter and a supportive, uh, a supportive housing for people that might have fallen into homelessness. But the key really is the zoning. We've got to get the housing construction and the uh, unit, units, uh, unit development to a place that actually matches the population growth and the economic growth we've seen in recent years. Okay, great. We only have a couple of minutes left. I just want some quick answers on some of these. The driver's license for undocumented, did you support that? You think that's a good idea? Uh, I did. I've supported it since my first day in the legislature. I think this is an important issue for being able to connect people to their employment, to medical appointments. And it is a safety issue because it helps ensure people are properly um, taking tests and properly prepared to drive and operate motor vehicles. So, yes. And the millionaire's tax, the fair share amendment, do you support that? Yep. I've been a supporter of the fair share amendment again since my first days in the legislature. I co-sponsored the constitutional amendment to all the points we've just been talking about, Jimmy. We've got to have a progressive tax structure in our state that reflects the changes in our economy, which has been an increasing concentration of wealth at the very, very top. Um, we've, got to, we've got to be able to have tax policy that reflects that and then invests in these urgent priorities we've got around, in particular, transportation and education. We have a minute left, Eric. I want you to make the pitch to our listeners. Tell them where they can make a donation, where they can volunteer, whatever you like to say in the final minute. Well, well, thank you so much, Jimmy, and thank you to everybody listening and watching. You can check me out at ericlesser.com, E-R-I-C-L-E-S-S-E-R.com. Of course, you can make a contribution there, join our mailing list, reach out to me directly. And I'll just say, you know, we've got big challenges in front of us. We see what's happening with the economy right now, with the stock market, inflation, gas prices. But we have an incredible state that has so many assets. But I think we all kind of feel like despite all the progress and all the things we're proud of in our state, it's not working the way we need it to. I think the set of experiences I have representing communities far away from Beacon Hill, fighting for economic development, closing the wait list at our Vogue schools, partnership I had working uh, in the Obama administration and the federal experience is going to help me be the right partner to our next governor. Because at the end of the day, that's what a lieutenant governor is. And that's what Democratic primary voters are going to be voting on on September 6th, is the team that's going to help us address these challenges. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Eric. Great to speak with you today. We will see you on the campaign trail, I am sure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. This has been a Humor for Humanity production. Our mission is your mission. Humor for Humanity at JimmyTingle.com. Thank you.